From the Lament configuration, it's the IGN Digigods. Please welcome two Cenobites from hell, Mark Kaiser and Wade Major. You know, uh, Cenobite, doesn't that sound like something that you would do in an, in an acting class? Of course it does. Uh, Corey, who threw that our way? That was brought to you by Carl Naras, who deserves a shout-out for putting Mark first that time. Of course. Thank you very much. It's about time. So. Yes. Yes, sir. Um, World Cup is on. Don't care. Uh, I, I care. About by the, the way, okay, I, no, I just want to say. Uh, whatever. The, my Aranja. My Aranja. Clob in the rematch. Of, of the last World Cup four years ago, the Dutch, the Aranja, my Aranja, clobbered the Spain, the, the Spaniards, five to one. Worst loss by a defending champion in World Cup history. Thank you. God, it's just so. Who gives an f? Oh yeah, man. Honestly, it's just oh, the worst. It felt so good. You know what? I have a theory as to why I'm. I have felt a theory. so good. Those the, two two goals by Van Persie, two by Robin. Oh, oh my gosh, beautiful, uh, fantastic. Uh, honestly, I I plotsed. Okay, I have a theory as to why. Yes. Americans don't like World Cup. Go ahead. Now, I was talking to our friend Phil Klein. Mm -hmm. Now, Phil Klein, as you know, has no hair. Yes. And that's important because all of his opinions are filtered through... But Phil also likes hockey, which Americans don't care about either. That's true. Okay, here's the thing. Now, World Cup. Yes. You get these countries, Cameroon and Ghana and whatever. The World Cup is, is important to them because their national pride yes. is wrapped up in how well they do in the World Cup. Okay, America doesn't care about national pride because we're already number one. We already rule the freaking world. What do we care if our stupid soccer team wins? You know, Ghana's got to use every advantage they can to, 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 to make some mark on the world stage. America's the king, man. We don't care about a stupid soccer game. That's why we don't care. Okay? Cameroon okay. needs to care. I guess. Because no does. one talks about Cameroon unless it's the World Cup. I guess, but that doesn't account for, you know, Germans or the French or the, 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 same the, the thing. Brits either. It's the same thing. If, <laughs> if, if, if literally, if, if, if the world was run by the French, if France <laughs> was the number one country in the world, okay, they would So you're saying the for the Cup. Dutch, wooden shoes, it's not enough? <laughs> wooden shoes? Wind, windmills? Yeah, windmills and wooden shoes, not enough. So I was running this theory by Phil Klein. Yes. And Phil Klein, as you know, has no hair. Yes. And I'm saying this twice. Yeah. Because I know that Phil's going to listen to this. Uh-huh. Because he wants to hear us talk about it. <laughs> now, uh, Phil, if you're listening, yes. let me just say something. First of all, your dog is an idiot. Why is his dog an idiot? Uh, because Molly is an idiot. Okay. Molly is literally the world's stupidest dog. It's a big bulldog type thing. Okay. I don't know. It's a mastiff. It's a bull. All I know is that it's a big lumbering brute of a dog. Okay. Uh, and yet she's very sweet. Okay. Now the dog, ironically enough, has hair. Phil has no hair. Okay. It's unbelievable. This is turning into a really inside joke. It really. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, but that is my theory about World Cup. All That's right. That's why Americans don't care about the World Cup. Mark, I'm going to tease what our first uh, our first coverage is this week. By the way, I, I was I was on uh, on uh, radio um, today. Oh, you're big and uh, uh, you know how many movies opened up this week? Sixteen. It was, this was. I, I'm just going to say I was I was uh, not as thorough with DVDs this week as I should have been because we had and I, obviously we didn't have to see all of them, but there there are 23 movies opening this week. 23. 
This is the week, of course, being tw- the, the week of 22 Jump Street. I thought I was going to have a good joke on the radio. Say, well, 22 Jump Street, and there's 22 movies opening. And then literally at the last minute, there was a new documentary on, uh, on uh, uh, gay seniors that got thrown into some screens, and it made it 23 movies. How do you open 23 movies in the same week? It's insane. By the way, 22 Jump Street. Of course, we only got through like eight, eight or nine of them, and I only watched 10. But it's still, it's like, it's, it's crazy. 22 Jump Street, funny. Hysterical. Funny. Outrageously funny, which ties into something we're going to be talking about today. And, uh, or actually, uh, no, we're not talking about that today. I think we're going to talk about that next week. Uh, my 22 bad. 22 Jump Street, by the way, Phil Klein, no hair. Yes. 22 Jump Street, funny. Really funny. Yes, it is. Funny. So, here, I'm going to tease something that we're going to start, the, uh, we're going to start talking about. Corey, we've we got to tease our first, uh, our first big title of the week. Corey, tease it for us. I, I'm sorry, Corey, what, what was that again? I, I, did, I didn't quite make that out. Ah, yes, I see. You know what that means, Mark? It means it's a flagging blagin. That's right. Now, you and I, we've met Jerry. I have not met Jerry. You didn't meet Jerry? Didn't you meet Jerry at the uh, Lafka dinner? No. No, that was the year before I... I think that was the year before I joined. You were the one oh who proselytized for him to get our Lifetime Career Achievement, Achievement Award. Award. You weren't in at that I time. I was not. I was My not. My goodness. Flavin. Well, uh, of course, by this time, I will probably have posted a, a photograph on the uh, Facebook page, mm. uh, which mm. will tease this show and this feature and this segment. Um, here's the thing. Everyone knows, I love Jerry Lewis. Love Jerry Lewis. Grew up on Jerry Lewis, worship Jerry Lewis. Brilliant man. In point of fact, you can download, you know, Jerry wrote a book that's out of print, but you can download a PDF of it. You just have to do a search on it. Um, The Total Filmmaker by Jerry Lewis, which is a compendium of notes from his lectures at USC when he taught at USC Film School. And uh, it's amazing. It is is quite possibly, along with the Sidney Lumet book and uh, the uh, Satyajit Ray book, uh, Our Films, Their Films, Probably the best book on just pure filmmaking theory that I've ever read. Really, it's Jerry re- Lewis. It's amazing. Flavin, it's, point the camera there. It, Glavin, it, 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 it's um, he just he, he lays it out there. He talks about all the stuff that most directors will never talk about. Like the John Badham book is fine. It's good. It's got a lot of great anecdotes. But Jerry really gets down to the nitty gritty. I what, like the Alexander. What McKendrick you do and book. don't do with actors. What you how you how to prepare. How not to prepare. It's like it's it's just it's the nitty gritty. It's really good. It's really just. It's like fundamental stuff. So anyway, Jerry Lewis, of course, had been uh, nominated many, many times over the years for the uh, Career Achievement Award with the L.A. Film Critics and always wound up being, you know, bridesmaid, runner-up, or a third, whatever. It just, they, there was always a faction in the room that just did, did, could not conceive of giving an award to Jerry. And then the year finally, and this was pre, predates me. This goes back a decade before I was even a member. And uh, there was just one year, and I just came forward, and I just said, you know what? We got to do this, man. We got to do Jerry is a legend. If we don't do it, someone else will. And we need to be the first American group to legitimize him before he gets an honorary Oscar or some such junk like that, which, by the way, happened the following year. And um, it finally carried. The vote carried. We gave Jerry the award, and he gave one of the funniest acceptance speeches you have ever heard. Absolutely awesome. I did a little intro for him. And uh, it was great. It was absolutely fantastic. So, um, yeah, did he say Glavin? He, he, he said Lady. He's never, he never even said that in any of his movies. Glavin? We or are, lady? of course, we have a, a number of great Jerry Lewis releases that have come out from Warner Brothers. But most significantly, The Nutty Professor 50th Anniversary. I just want to point this out. Uh, this comes in one of the coolest boxes I've ever seen. First of all, it's not just some generic box. Look, it's got the little magnetic flap. See? Yeah. Little uh, magnetic. You know what, I like those magnetic. I flaps. love it. I love it. Yes, I love I it. So you got the little magnetic flap, 
which opens up and oh, and then it lifts open and look at the, look at the photo on the inside. Oh, Buddy Love. My name is Buddy Love. Glavin. And what a magnificent thing this is. The first thing you see in here is a personal message from Jerry Lewis that says, I hate you. Uh, no, it's great. It, it's a whole letter on the thing. It says, you know, the year was 1941. I was 15 years old, and I'd just seen Spencer Tracy and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And he goes through and talks about, you know, how Nutty Professor was his 28th film. Really? 28 films wow. he'd made at that point. And this is what's cool. Look at the storyboards. Mark, check it out. Right? Amazing. It's a little, uh, it's a little it's book. A, it's a little book it of storyboards. Like a, it almost looks like a children's book. It, it, but look, at, look, 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 look how detailed the storyboards were. Wow. This he, is like pre-Ridley Scott, pre-Star Wars, pre-Spielberg Did he draw those? He no, didn't know. No, 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 he didn't draw those. No, he had an artist draw these. Thank but this is, this is how elaborately planned the film was. I mean, it, it gets into excruciating detail. Look at this. I mean, Jerry is like, people dismiss him as a director far I, too easily. I know, I do. This is a serious director here. Look at this. No, those are serious storyboards. Oh, this is a serious director. Serious director. And then we also have... This little gem, uh, the Nutty Professor, the uh, uh, script annotated, an uh, annotation, script pages annotated. Look at that. Amazing. Right? It's great. Why don't you just this admit? This is like you, you see all inside his process. I mean, this is amazing. Okay, wait, no one cares. Okay, why don't Cutting you Cutting dialogue and redoing stuff. And, right. and let me point out, you yes. also get instruction book for being a person or just feeling better by Jerry Lewis. Hilarious. Fantastic. Why don't, why don't you just admit that nothing will matter until we get to Day the Clown Cried? Yeah, it's probably not that good. But look, little 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 pictures, you know, all these little little anecdotal things. Say Wait. I like you. Enjoy when it's said back. Don't pout if it isn't. Wait, Wait we get it. You home. like it. Move on. Here's anyway, a whole pile so here's of what you get. Here's, here's what you get in this. There's more? Yes, there's more, for crying out loud. You get uh, the CD of uh, phony phone calls from 1959 to 1972, which is hilarious, all of his, his crank call stuff. Uh, the, 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 the one on here, the, um, the contest winner, is just brilliant. Oh, the Absolutely con the brilliant. contest winner, it's brilliant. And then, obviously, the uh, meat of the piece is this uh, fantastic... Oh, there's a movie. Yeah, of course there is. <laughs> you get the, the Blu-ray of uh, Nutty Professor. You get a, a DVD... A Blu-ray, and then you also get as extras uh, DVDs of the Aaron Boy and Cinderella, which are also fantastic. Aaron Boy is great. Wait, let me see that. Really? Give me yeah. that. Yeah, Aaron Boy and Cinderella are extras. Interesting. No, yeah, but DVDs baby. of Aaron Boy. And DVDs, Cinderella. and then for the Nutty Professor, you get a DVD and a Blu-ray. And remember, Cinderella is the one that has uh, the. You, you, you've seen Cinderella, right? It's been like a thousand years, but yes. Oh my gosh, it's, it's just it's genius. Yeah. It's Jerry Lewis and Cinderella doing a whole male sure. take on okay. it. Okay. Thing. Is there a Jerry Lewis film that you feel should have been included? What's the next funniest Jerry Lewis film under Nutty Professor? I don't even think that's the funniest. I think it's a genius, but no, I mean, there are, there are funnier films. Okay. I mean, The Aaron Boy is one of my favorites. Who's Mining the Store is one of my favorites. Um, probably my all-time favorite would be um, The Disorderly Orderly. That's true. Oh, that's a good which one. Is, which is a really good one. Um, just... Because it just it's the whole hospital thing. It, it sort of fits my philosophy of life. Uh, but the Aaron Boy is great. The Aaron Boy is the one where he does. Remember, he does the um, the, the the studio thing. He gets in the office and he does where they play the. How about he does? He voices. He lip syncs the the, the instruments. It's how, incredibly how, okay, funny. how about the bellboy? 
Bellboy's genius, but that's that's a whole different kind of thing. I mean, you know, he, like he wrote it in two minutes and shot it in a day and a half. There's that whole story. Okay, wait, can we talk anyway, about this one thing for the through, whole show? No, That'd be great. I want to go through because this is a big deal. Uh, the Blu-ray includes a documentary, Jerry Lewis, No Apologies, uh, which is fantastic. Commentary with Steve Lawrence and Jerry Lewis, which was done years ago, obviously before Steve Lawrence passed. Um, and uh, the uh, the uh, another documentary, a bunch of featurettes, deleted scenes, bloopers, a bunch of cool stuff. But the documentary, uh, Jerry Lewis, No Apologies, is the main thing here. Really, really nice. And uh, the same commentary is on the DVD, although not the documentary. And uh, the uh, the two Aaron Boy Cinderella are the same releases that they had previously. So it is uh, it is a great set. The packaging is fantastic. All the printed materials are just superb. And uh, the crank phone calls are hilarious, so you, you just can't go wrong there. But honestly, the, uh, the best thing here are the storyboards and the annotated script. It's just, it's fantastic. I mean, this is far and away one of the best special edition sets that Warner Brothers has ever released. And that is not all, my friend. That's not all the Jerry that we have. Oh, no. Oh, no. Warner Archive is making it the full Jerry. We got three Warner Archive titles. Uh, and they are d- 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 middling titles, actually, I'm afraid to say. Uh, Which Way to the Front and uh, The Family Jewels and Cracking Up. And these are, the reason these are Warner Archive titles is because they're, they're middling to not so great. But if you're a Jerry completist like I am, you definitely want to have them. Uh, it's nice to see Which Way to the Front because Jan Murray is in it. And uh, I, I, my, you know, Jan Murray's grandson is one of our uh, very good friends. And we love Jan Murray. He was a good friend of Jerry's, and um, they all came from that Borscht Belt Catskillian background. It was fantastic. So uh, anyway, this is, um, again, not great Jerry, but it, the whole World War II angle, the Nazi angle, you're like, well, it's, he's kind of trying to do the Mel Brooks thing, so I'll, I'll roll with it. Um, Cracking Up is such an odd movie, and um, this is another film that Jerry directed and wrote with Bill Richmond. It is... Um, it, it's kind of, you, you sort of feel him aging a little bit. The, the slapstick isn't quite as sharp. The jokes and the gags aren't quite, as, quite timed as well. Um, it, and, you know, the, the dark suicide angle to it is a, is, doesn't play quite as well as it should. Uh, Family Jewels is maybe the best of the three. And uh, Jerry plays multiple parts here. Donna Butterworth, who plays the Little Orphan Annie kind of character in this, is fantastic. And um, I, I would say this is this probably should have been. This was also written with Bill Richmond. This probably should have been uh, released uh, like in a Jerry Lewis box set, not the Warner Archive, but still uh, pretty fun. So um, if you're a Jerry completist, it is a really really good week. Definitely uh, definitely go to town and all that stuff. Well, you sure did. Yes, I did. And um, now let's talk about something else. Yes, Anything else? Well, that, that's 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 our our lead thing. So um, we also have some listener mail this week. We do. We do have some listener mail. We're going to get into that. We also have a giveaway. We do. We do have a giveaway. A really awesome giveaway, by the way. Uh, but before we get into everything else, Mark, we should we should blow through some uh, television. We should. Now, Wade, I know you don't like uh, Seth MacFarlane. I really don't. Look, here's. I'm going to give you one reason. Yeah, I know. And I, I might have said this the other week, actually. I'm going to give you one reason to love Seth MacFarlane. Please do. Now, Seth MacFarlane, he is the king of Fox, right? Yeah. He had Family Guy on. It's yeah. made them hundreds of millions of dollars. Family Guy made Fox hundreds. American Dad. Yeah. Lots of money. Sure. Cleveland Show, not as much. What I'm saying is, is that Seth MacFarlane 
is a comedy institution. I okay? guess. He is the king of he Fox. Should, he shouldn't put himself in and, movies. And the, that's fine. And the animation, domination, mm. blah, blah. Ted, huge international hit, right? Yeah. This guy has carte blanche to do whatever he wants. He could yep. literally spend $150 million to make a gigantic fart movie. But instead, he says to Fox, I want you to give me nine hours of primetime programming so I can do a no BS serious Cosmos. That's cool. See, I grew up on Cosmos. Uh, here we go. I know it's not billions and billions and blah, blah, blah. It's not Carl Sagan, it does, it does man. So it's, what? Do they use Vangelis music in the score? In the music? No. Who do they cares? use, do they use Larry that, Fast and Synergy? No. That's all. That's, that, see, that, th- those are not legitimate reasons to dislike Cosmos. I, I love the original series. Well, we all love the and you, and you know who else loves the original series? Seth MacFarlane. He was so yeah, influenced by it, he wanted to show homage to it. The, the show actually includes plenty of Carl Sagan. Carl Spe- Sagan is quoted in this. You see him in this. Speaking of Phil, and speaking of Phil and hockey. Yeah, Phil has no hair. I know. And you realize that Phil is, is right up at this very moment uh, experiencing like some surreal out-of-body experience. You know why? Because the Kings won the Stanley Cup. In double overtime. I, you know what? I know nothing about hockey and don't like hockey. But I bet if it's double cool. overtime and they like score the winning goal yeah. to win the championship, that's like two outs, bottom of the ninth, yes. game seven, World Series time. Yep. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I admit it. That's cool. That's cool. All right. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so Cosmos is great. It's great. It's the real thing. It, uh, Neil, uh, what's his name? He's yeah. Terrific. Neil uh, DeGrasse, Neil DeGrasse the, Tyson. Yeah, that guy. He, he's just a great presence. He's so smart. He's very personable. He's just, the guy's like a superstar. And and, and Droyan was involved in this as well, who is, of course, Carl Sagan's right. widow and, and co author on many of his things. And, and yeah, so she was deeply involved in this to make sure that the spirit of Carl Sagan was alive and well and all that stuff. And yeah, I get it. I, I, will, I will saturate myself with it and I will thoroughly enjoy it, I'm sure. I have little little doubt about that. Uh, we've also got uh, NYPD Blue, still keeps trickling out. Season 6 from uh, Shout Factory. Uh, this is, of course, the, with uh, Rick Schroeder stepping into the show. And, uh, you know, it's, um, it, it's interesting. This was such a hot show in its time, and this was one of the last big Botchko shows. And uh, it still holds up. I, I think it really does. I think it still holds up. I think the writing's sharp. I think the style is sharp. Uh, it was sort of a, an outcropping, in some sense, of uh, Hill Street Blues, not associated with Hill Street Blues, which, of course, was technically supposed to be set in Chicago. But, uh, you know, it, Dennis Franz was on Hill Street Blues. He segued into this. And so it, it, it sort of tried to import a lot of the same sensibilities. A lot of interesting uh, cameos and uh, guest spots on this. And I think, it, uh, I think the show still holds up. So season six, 22 episodes. Very well done. Uh, Wade, uh, can I tell you what's going on in uh, the world of uh, uh, Blu-rays, Blu-rays yes. to be released? Yes, please. I don't know why you don't care about this stuff. I personally I really don't. care deeply about what Blu-rays are about to be released, Good. especially if it's, get this, ladies and gentlemen, 4K transfer, Ghostbusters 1 and 2. That is going to be a great set. Coming out uh, that September 16th. That is going to be a great set. Yeah, I already, I already put our, our, uh, our bag in for that. Begged him big time. That is going to be cool. You no, know, because I am one of the only people who liked Ghostbusters 2. You know what? I love Ghostbusters 2 for one reason. It's not a great movie, but I love it for one guy, reason. Because that guy, that short guy, what's his name again? Peter McNichol. Yes. Because of, of the moment when Peter McNichol comes out of his, his trance 
and he's covered with slime, and he says with that really ridiculous accent, why am I covered with goo? I, I, I don't know why that line just, it rocked me. I, I laughed and I laughed and I laughed and I, I wept and tears poured out of my eyes and then now I'm crying because they're talking about trying to do a third Ghostbusters and I don't understand why. Just leave it alone. Ramus is, Ramus is gone. Just don't, just, that's it. It's that's over. not going to happen. No. It's not going to happen. No. It shouldn't happen. But you know what will happen? What? You know damn well what? that at some point... When Bill Murray is gone and Dan Aykroyd is gone and Ernie Hudson is gone and, uh, you know, like in 50 years from now uh, when, when Ivan Reitman is gone and when, you know, Jason Reitman is an old man, they're going to they're gonna say, we need the new Ghostbusters. And they're going to they're gonna like hire, you know, some schmoey young idiot and stick him in the, with a bunch of other young idiots and make a new Ghostbusters and it'll be horrible. They, they just won't, they won't stop. They, they just will not let these things go. I agree. <sighs> Dreadful. Uh, Wade, let's do. Uh, let's talk about House of Cards yeah. now. Um, Wade, as you know, yes, uh, Phil Klein has no hair. <laughs> Phil's gonna be thrilled that he's become the running joke on this week's show. Now, I watched uh, House of Cards uh, season one, and um, it's a good show. Well, did, did you watch it? Mm-hmm. Here's my thing with House I've watched of Cards. the British show too, which I think is better. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Here's here's. Uh, but it doesn't okay. have Kevin Spacey. It's got that other dude. That's true. Yeah, um, Benny Hill. You know, there was a Benny Hill joke in uh, 22 ben, Jump Street. Benjamin Hill's a cooler <laughs> film. Oh, my gosh. It's so great. And uh, no, the, you know what? I mean, I, I saw it with, the, with you know, uh, like a bunch of kids. Plebes? Not one of them got that joke. Nobody got that joke. And there's like that brief little music cue that is supposed to think everything speeds up and you're right. supposed to get the joke. And it just, it was almost too fleeting of a joke. And I looked around and I was like, are you people that lame? Like, are you so lame that you're, you're out of touch with Benny Hill? Yes. You know what? 21-year-olds are not going to know Benny Hill. Okay, that needs to stop. People born in, in like, 1995 are not going to know Benny Hill. That needs to change. That desperately needs to change. Okay. You realize we're never going to well, okay, get through we, all this stuff. Let's okay, do it. Okay, House of Cards. Roll. Here's the thing with House of Cards. I saw the first season. First six episodes, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. thought it was great. Yeah. Last six episodes, I lo- it became a little too silly. Yeah. First episode of the second season, which is now on Blu-ray, I lost it. Yep. Because something happens in the first episode where you're like, really, the vice president of the United States is going to go down into a subway and do that? Really? Now it's no longer realistic. It's no longer like this rip from the headlines, behind the scenes thing. It's now become a complete nighttime soap opera. And I kind of lost interest. It, it, it does pick up steam Later in the season, but I, you know, now my, my love is uh, is conditional. Okay, it's no longer unconditional love. Uh, but anyway, it's great stuff. It's still House of Cards. It's still Netflix planting their flag for a quality programming. And uh, if you got season one, you got to get season two. I, I don't I don't know. Look, this thing's already on Netflix. You can download this on Netflix all yeah, day long. But it's Blu-ray. It's it's like intense and good and sharp. And you know, if you really love the show, you want to have it at your at your fingertips just in case the uh, internet goes down. Uh, now, uh, wait. Uh, yes. yes. Tosh.0. Now, Tosh.0 is Ugh. a uh, comedy center show. I'm going to say something controversial. Go ahead. Daniel Tosh, his stand up, funny. He's a funny stand up. The show, I'm less enamored with. And you, know what, you know what I just realized, Wade? Huh? Shoot. I just realized that I have laundry in the dryer. Oh, and I've got to get it out. You better go do that. I have to do that. Yes, you do. Because we're recording this at my home. Yes, we are. And I have laundry in. Okay, well, you, you do that, and I will, I will Damn, roll through I some things. Because I think, I think right now my, my laundry is done. Hang on. 
Well, you go do that since you're, not, recording. since you're not fixing me any food anymore, so I might as well let you do that. All right, I'm going to roll through a bunch of Mill Creek uh, releases of old classics. Facts of Life, Seasons 1 and 2, a two-season combo pack is out from Mill Creek in a, uh, a, bargain, uh, a bargain set. I highly recommend this for one primary reason. Never mind the fact that when you look at Seasons 1 and 2 on the cover, you see, you know, Mindy and Tootie and, and Joe, and you're like, yeah, yeah, and Blair. And you're like, okay, no, no. The first season is the amazing season that has all of these other actresses who were kicked off after the first season when they completely reconceived the show and they changed the cast, they switched everything up. That first season is amazing. There are like five actresses in that first season who don't show up in the rest of the show, including a very young Molly Ringwald on roller skates. So the first season of Facts of Life is fantastic. That's why you should get this pack. Uh, Also, uh, the complete series of Gidget... Starring Sally Field is on a new uh, bargain-priced set from uh, Mill Creek. Really, really fun. Sally Field did a great job on that show. Uh, it didn't last very long. Uh, you also get The Jeffersons, seasons one and two, which is great. That's right when it spun off from All in the Family. And those first two seasons are when it really, really kind of cements its, uh, gets its cred going. All the characters were introduced. The new apartment is introduced. Fantastic. Uh, Good Times, season three and four. Good Times, sadly, dates kind of poorly. Jimmy Walker, not so funny anymore in hindsight. You know, when Jimmy Walker was on uh, one of the late night shows, I watched him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. I know. He's kind of He's got nothing to say. uh, He's got nothing to say. He's kind of looking at at, at, like Chris Rock, and he probably thinks, damn, you know, that guy stole my gig. Anyway, uh, but, you know, some really good acting on the show. Apart from Jimmy Walker, uh, Jeanette Dubois, John Amos, Esther Rall, a really good cast, and another uh, success at the time from Norman Lear. And then uh, the complete fourth season of Highway to Heaven, uh, Michael Landon's uh, television swan song after a great career, which sort of set up uh, Touched by an Angel in many respects. It was sort of the same kind of thing, divine intervention and, uh, and whatnot. A uh, very successful show in its time, and this is season four at a bargain price from Mill Creek. So that's a nice new batch of stuff from Mill Creek. Uh, Longmire is a show on A&E that um, got renewed for a third season. This is uh, seasons one and two on a Blu-ray set, and it's based on a series of mystery novels. And... Um, you know, I don't know about the show. I watched. I, I didn't watch all of them, but um, I did watch some of them. It's 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 okay. I mean, um, you know, I like the fact that it it takes place kind of in like in this rugged kind of terrain. It's kind of cool. It could almost be it could almost be a western, but it's kind of, it takes place in the present day. Um, it's a lot of mysteries going on. Uh, a lot of interesting characters. Lou Diamond Phillips is in. It's kind of nice to see him again. Um, but ultimately, I don't know that there's really enough going on here for me to want to sit through this over and over again on Blu-ray. Um, looks nice, good-looking Blu-ray. There's a lot of great, um, there's a lot of great vista shots. You know, a lot of great scenery in it. Very stylish. Uh, yeah, I just don't know if this is really if this is something that you're going to want to revisit. Longmire on A and E. It's yeah. you know what the I, I think it'll I I, I think Longmire will age well with time. I do. You do? Uh, yeah, I, I kind of do. I think it'll. I, mean, I don't think it's ever going to be like a legendary. Oh my gosh, Longmire! I gotta have every. But I think it's. I think it'll be one of the more stable shows. It's just. It's. It, I think it's well done enough. Uh, the regular show, season three. Um, this is on the uh, Cartoon Network. This is a strange little show, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's 39 episodes, which is nice. And the uh, DVD, ladies and gentlemen, not yes. the Blu-ray. 
I may say. Um, it's uh, there's 40 episodes here, and uh, I don't know about the show. I skimmed the show because it was one of those like weird shows where like the animation is just kind of cut rate, and but that's part of the funkiness of it. The fact that you know there's not a lot of detail in the characters. So it's really all about how goofy and crazy and wacky the characters are. Um, anyway, it's about a blue jay and a raccoon, and uh, they're groundskeepers at a park. Sweet. And they uh, try to uh, entertain themselves. Rock and roll. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, some of this stuff is just too weird for me. I guess I'm just old. And then uh, wrapping up television, we have uh, season one of Crossing Lines, uh, which is uh, worth watching for the cast. And it's a really interesting cast, to be honest. Uh, the, first of all, Crossing Lines has a... It's, this is all about the International Criminal Court. And uh, so it's, it's kind of like trying to... Ele- it's sort of like they're trying to elevate um, law and order uh, to a, a heavy international level. Trying to give, raise the stakes and you know give you an, a glimpse into, into a, an international court system that we're not overly familiar with, and uh, it's well written, it's well put together, it's pretty sharp. Uh, and, but really, the the reason to watch this is just because the the, the cast is so tremendously good. Uh, Donald Sutherland, amazing, always great. Uh, William Fickner, starting to really kind of age and grow into a really interesting character. Always really like that guy. And it has Mark Lavoin on it. Now, Mark Lavoin, who is this uh, kind of scary-looking dude over here. See him on the cover there, Mark? No, because your finger's over it. Mark Lavoin. Ooh, he's a scary-looking dude. See, nobody, people are like, oh, Mark Lavoin. No, Mark Lavoin is a French pop star. He's a French singing star. At least he was big time in the 80s. He has this, like, deep kind of, ooh, spooky voice. And, uh, <laughs> is that what, what he sounds like? Well, well, they, Ooh, he, you're guilty. He, well, he's really good on the show, actually. I had no idea. I actually, when I worked at Air France years ago as a passenger service agent, I, I remember checking him in once. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Mark Lavoine, I remember when I lived in France, you had that great hit. It's, it's a really cool song. The, you know, it was cool. And I still have, I still have the album. So, anyway. Uh, so that's worth checking out. Crossing Lines has not really gotten a huge amount of, of heat, but I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping this thing really kind of uh, you know catches fire a little bit. Um, it, it as far as I know, it's been renewed, right? Which one? Uh, Crossing Lines. I, I don't know. It's, it's ten episodes, season one. It's not canceled or anything, right? No, I don't know because it should. It, it's good. It needs to. It needs to continue. I I, I used to have Crossing Lines on Google Alerts. So every time there was a story on crossing yeah, lines, okay. I, get a, I, I canceled it. Though I'm going to hit, I'm going to hit you with a frying pan <laughs> in a moment. Uh, and then Kung Fu: The Legend continues. The complete first season was a terrible, dreadful, miserable attempt to uh, reboot the uh, the Kung Fu franchise. Which, Did you like it? It's so so bad. It's really really bad. Um, it's it's sort of you know uh, David Carradine coming back and and mentoring the son that he never knew he had. And uh, it, it's it's not good. And now there's like a a grandson, and there's a they, they try to make this whole thing the whole like present day and his legacy, and and still have him in flashbacks. And it just none of it works. It's really really awkward, and and it just it should never have been done. And that's from the Warner Archive collection as well, and deservedly so. Uh, so, Mark, we're going we're gonna, to, uh, before we plow into the rest of this stuff, we've got a lot of really great stuff coming, but we have a giveaway. A giveaway? We have a giveaway. One, one Blu-ray. We're giving away one Blu-ray. <laughs> of just anything, uh, some random movie? Or random some, movie, whatever Blu-ray you want. Anybody just, t- no. You know, Wade, you, you are going to give away. 
You know what I'm giving away? Well, what? You know what I'm giving away? T- tell me now. Here's what people need to do. If you're going to send it, first of all, if you want to send us email or send us a Vox box, we need Vox boxes, we need email, send them to gods at digigods.com. Everything comes to gods at digigods.com. If you want to insult Mark, you want to insult me, you want to argue with us, go to the Facebook Phil page. Phil has no hair. You can see, you can Phil tell has Phil no has no hair. Sure. You can go to the Facebook page, and a lot of people are arguing with each other there. But otherwise, send us an email at gods at digigods.com. And we want to hear from you. I want you to. Open up an email. Write in the subject line Wes W E S. Just send it. Just write Wes W E S, and then put your name and address in the body of the email, and you will be in the running. As long as we get your email by the twentieth, as long as it is time and date stamped on the twentieth of June, two thousand and fourteen. Wes in the subject line, name and address in the, in the body of the email. You will be in the running to get a Blu-ray of the Grand Budapest Hotel. <gasps> I like that movie. Do you want to be in the running? Yeah. You can enter. It's delightful. <laughs> Did you see it? You saw it? I haven't watched it yet. It's it, del- oh, it's it, delightful. I know. It's so good. That's what I've heard. Wes Anderson, that guy's on a roll, man. Yeah. He is on a roll. Yeah. And not just a Kaiser roll. Yeah. So it is, it is, on, it is on its way. And uh, I have not watched it yet, but uh, deeply looking forward to it. Okay, can you deeply keep talking about DVDs? Because yes, we will absolutely. never, we will never get through everything we have to get through. Yep. If we don't start rolling. Indeed. So you are uh, not even paying attention. What did I just say? You right? want me to? You want me to move? You want me to speed it up? Wow, he was listening. Yep, I was. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely working it. So, um, okay. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna start getting through uh, some more of this stuff here. Okay. Movies. New movies. <laughs> New movies. Yes, uh, I want to put a shout out for this. Uh, you know, they make a lot of uh, cool stuff in Canada these days, and this is a, a Canadian independent film. Mostly, here's the here's the model of these things, and, and we we uh, talked about this, you know, in, in previous weeks when they'll get these American stars, they bring them into a Canadian genre film, or whatever it is, and uh, it makes it look like a Hollywood movie, kind of second tier, but a little bit better. Anyway, The Machine is one of those. Uh, doesn't have a great cast. It's got Toby Stevens is, is kind of like the guy who holds the uh, holds the fort down. But then it has Katie Lotz, who's really good, by the way. Katie Lotz is terrific in this, and um, Katie Lotz plays um, this woman. Well, here's the thing. It's uh, what's the thing, Wade? We, I, I, let me let me step Wade, back. Let me take a step take back. Take a step back. What's the thing? You're in the future. It's right. one of these. It's one of these situations where you have uh, where they're they're looking. The, the, the world is in a horrible, horrible situation. We're kind of at war with China, and they're looking to develop a super soldier. And Toby Stevens plays a scientist who has he's you know like a cyber technologist, and he's trying to invent the super soldier. And um, through a very disturbing series of sequences, uh, Katie Lotz becomes, she's, she's a, a fellow scientist who winds up essentially being killed and Robo, Robocop style turned into his new cyber super soldier. And then, of course, you get into this uh, kind of almost a, um, a Terminator thing where the soldiers who have been modified and changed and had their brains altered and whatnot... Um, they they want to rebel against you know the system that is keeping them oppressed and so forth. The whole thing takes place in in the single facility, so it's all very contained, very low budget, but really smart. And it doesn't really get into a lot of action set pieces until the end, uh, which I appreciated. So I thought this was a surprisingly cool genre film on a low budget with a great cast. And Katie Lotz is going to be huge. She's going to um, be huge. She's, yes, she's, huge what? 
No, she's, she's going to be big. I mean, I'm just saying she's going to be really, really big. And she's already kind of got a, uh, a following um, um, as a uh, as Black Canary on uh, on uh, Green Arrow, on The Arrow, you know, the, 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 the DC series, right? Yes. On Arrow, yeah. She, she plays Black Canary on that. And you yeah. know the whole thing, right? Green Arrow and Black Canary, her husband and wife, and there's a whole thing. I, I, you, I, I, you, you've I, never read Black Canary comic books, have you? No, I have ah. I, I, I didn't remember they were husband and wife. Yeah, well, anyway. She's really good on, the, on that show, too, but she's fantastic in this movie. And then, uh, also, let me do real quickly, uh, a little bit of Jesus action here, which uh, probably should have been in time for Easter. Uh, we've got a documentary called Bible Quiz uh, by Nicole Tini, which was uh, a 2013 Slam Dance winner for Best Documentary. And uh, this is basically like, uh, uh, what was it, Sp- uh, Spellbound. Right. It's about Spellbound, except this is you're supposed to uh, memorize all this stuff for the National Bible Quiz Championship. And uh, it centers on this one girl, and it's, it's not condescending or mean or smarmy or anything. It's just a really, really good story about a fascinating young girl. And then, obviously, uh, there is the movie Son of God, which we have in a Blu-ray, DVD, digital, HD, ultraviolet combo set. Uh, basically, this was uh, just a, an edited down and somewhat boned-up version of the Bible, which was the miniseries on the History Channel that uh, that Roma Downey and uh, and Mark Burnett did, which is not very good. And uh, it, you know, it got a, but it made a ton of money. And even though it was edited down from a miniseries, it, people went and saw it and bought tickets. And there you go. So I don't think it's very good. It's it's you know biblically accurate. Mm-hmm. Probably more so than, than most of these things, but I don't know that that makes it a good story, frankly. It just makes it kind of familiar. Um, but uh, they load this thing up with some fairly decent extras, a lot of uh, little featurettes, a thing called um, uh, Son of God Reborn, uh, a little thing from the set, and um, they even have some little educational stuff on here. And it's, you know, it's got uh, ultraviolet on it. And then that contrasts with an interesting VCI release, called uh, Jesus the Christ from their Bible series, which is a much older film from 1952, one of the more obscure Jesus movies from an era when there were really a fair amount of them, but most of them came in the 1960s. This is from 1952, so this this even predates uh, Ben-Hur. And uh, that's rather unusual, and uh, this film is not very well known, but it has some interesting people in the cast, including Martin Balsam, of all people. Uh, so, um, you, you know, this thing, this thing kind of faded away, and it's a bit of a novelty. Uh, it's not very good, to be honest. It's, it's a little stodgy and, and uh, not terribly well acted, but it's um, as, as kind of a nostalgic kitsch piece, if you're into that kind of thing, if, you, if you're, you know, like trying to get a complete set of Jesus movies, you're going to have to have that one. Uh, here's what you don't have to have, Wade, is Adult World. Now, Adult World is with Emma Roberts and uh, John Cusack. Mm-hmm. And uh, look, I was a little bit unfair. It's actually not a terrible movie. It's, uh, it's a comedy about this uh, young girl, uh, Emma Roberts. She's just graduated college, and she's going to go off and be a famous writer, famous poet. Um, but she moves back in with her parents and has to get a job. So um, she winds up working at an adult bookstore. That's, uh, that's, that's the high-concept thing. Nice. So you know, it does have some. It does have some interesting things to say about about uh, you know growing up and what it means to finally come into your own and uh, what it means to actually pursue art as a career and a life and a passion. Um, so there is some incisive stuff there. Um, you know, uh, it's it works in bits more than it works as a whole. But uh, if you want to be moderately kind of surprised, I guess Adult World is um, not so bad. 
Also, uh, David Gordon Green has the weirdest career of any director in the Dude, world. Dude, I can't figure it out. I just can't. Um, Joe, which really is almost a comeback vehicle for Nicolas Cage, if anybody yeah. had seen it. Uh, it's very powerful. It's very atmospheric. It's a very interesting story. Uh, the kid in it, uh, Ty Sheridan, is just great. And it's based on a novel. And, uh, yeah, you know, Nicolas Cage plays his ex-con who's, you know, who meets this kid who's kind of down on his luck, and uh, they kind of create a friendship together, and uh, they kind of go on the run together. And it's really interesting. Cage is very focused. He's very intense. It's a good performance. It really should have been, again, it should have been his comeback role, but no one saw it, but you guys should maybe check it out. Uh, Joe on Blu-ray. Nice. Uh, blowing to some uh, foreign language films here. You know, there's a, 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 I, I like Korean films. This is one that was a huge success in South Korea. And I'm finding that any time, for some reason, the films that I tend to like from some of these countries are, you know, middling successes. But anytime something is like a legendary hit in Japan or South Korea or India or China, it winds up being something that is so inside baseball, something that is just tapped so deeply into the culture and the consciousness that I cannot relate. The Attorney is one of those. Uh, this is out from Wellgo in, a, uh, in just a DVD set. And I, I got to tell you, I kind of don't get it. Even though I understand that Song Kang-ho, who's been in some really, really huge uh, films, including Snowpiercer and Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Oh, I love Snowpiercer. Yeah, he's, he's in it. I mean, he's, he's a big deal in South Korea. He's like, he's like you know, uh, Gangnam-style movie star. But the attorney is based on a real event, a real guy who was kind of a sleazy attorney. He'd been a judge, and then he abandoned his judgeship, and he started being uh, like this real estate attorney. And he's literally soliciting real estate work, like handing his card out, which is a big no-no down there. You know, just throwing your card at everybody, like, "Hey, I'm a hey, hire me. I'm an attorney. Here's a, here's my card." Very sleazy. But he just figured there was a lot of opportunity to build a, a practice around that, and then it takes this bizarre turn where he has to, you know, become like a civil rights attorney and, and try this really big case um, uh, that involves like this, like, uh, you know, government brutality. And it just, it's a, and, you're, and, and it's, it's a very strange film. Um, the, the performances are good, but it just feels like a really, it just doesn't all kind of move the right way. Everything feels mislubricated. But that being said, Mislubricated? It was, yeah, it's like things, you know, some things move better, like some parts move better than others. You know, it doesn't feel like it's, a well-oiled machine. Mislubricated is the opposite of a well-oiled machine. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't. Now, is Mislubricated married to Mr. Lubricated? Oh, see, it's, whatever. Uh, and then a couple from Raro Video, who is now distributed through Kino. Raro Video has been releasing a lot of really cool, uh, primarily Italian cult stuff for years. And I got an interesting story about one of these, to be honest. It's, a, it's, it's rather ironic that it comes out this week, especially in combination with some other things we're talking about. But uh, the first of these is the DVD of Blue Movie. Blue Movie by Alberto Cavallone. Um, this is the unrated director's cut, and I know you're thinking, oh, blue movie, I know what that is. They're, they're working blue. And, and not so much. It kind of, sort of. I mean, there's, the, there's a, like a weird S&M deal here, but it's, um, it, this, is, this is from 1973, and it, it's primarily about a very, very obsessive relationship. And it's not, it's not titillating in the least. Uh, it's not, you know... Uh, it's not, uh, you know, the Bertolucci film, Last Tango in Paris, but it's not, it's also not really exploitative and kind of slimy. It's kind of somewhere in between the two. And then also uh, from um, 
Araro video on Blu-ray this time in a gorgeous, gorgeous transfer from the original 35mm negative is Liliana Cavani's E. Cannibali. And uh, here's what's interesting about that. Are you familiar with Liliana Cavani? Oh, that's uh, Mr. and Mrs. Cavani's Sure you are. Kid. Yeah, whatever. Uh, no, of course you are. You've seen The Night Porter. Yeah, that, that, that is true. That's her big film. Okay. That, was, that was the big film that she did. Night Porter was her big film. Uh, but she's never been ex- extremely well exposed here. And she also made a film called La Pella, which means the skin, which just a few days ago, Andy and I did the, uh, the commentary for, for, uh, for Cohen. Cohen Media is going to be releasing uh, the skin later this year. And so we really boned up on our Cavani and watched the film. And I got to tell you, <laughs> You know, Liliana, I mean, she was, she was a, a major Italian director at a time when Lena Wertmuller was the major female Italian director. So Cavani never quite got the, the limelight she needed. But uh, La Pella has some just, it, you know, it's, it, it, La Pella is all about the, um, uh, the, inva- the American invasion of, uh, of Italy at the end of World War II, primarily in Naples. And uh, she's, in, she's in some big epic scenes there. I mean, really good at staging them. And it's very different from The Night Porter, but it's very shocking in the same sense. This is really interesting because this is entirely a different kind of a film altogether again. This was made in 1969. Very brief. It's only 87 minutes long. Um, and it, this is, it just gets into her, it's again, it's her gruesome side, but not quite the giallo gruesome side. In, in the skin, everything's very giallo-like. It's really kind of gory and gruesome because uh, it's World War II. But here, uh, you find like there are literally corpses by the hundreds and thousands of, of boys and girls in this dystopian future all over the streets um, because there is this weird kind of 1984 Orwellian government that will not bury them. And uh, you wind up getting into this sort of uh, Brave New World Logan's Run plot after that um, where they're kind of challenging the, the government. And, it, and it's... It's really kind of interesting. In theory, it's, a, it's an adaptation of Antigone. I've seen Antigone. I don't really... I, I had a hard time seeing how this is like anything... It's, it's really much more like Logan's Run and Brave New World than anything else. It, it, I don't, or even 1984. But they named the character Antigone, and apparently that's the idea behind it. So uh, anyway, this was her third film. It's on Blu-ray. Definitely worth checking out, especially if you're a fan. Wait, here's something I'm a fan of. Yeah. Ernest and Celestine. Oh, so good. Now, can I be honest? Yeah. Now, when uh, I was given the um, when I was given the uh, screener for this, yes, to consider it for Lafka. Indeed. I put it in. Sure, you did. Watch ten minutes. Of course you did. I said, you know what? I don't think I'm gonna like this. I don't think I'm gonna like this movie. It's wonderful. And I stopped watching it. Then. After go, you know, you know how it is. You just sure. screener after 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 screener in yeah. anticipation of the voting, and then um, I said, you know what? I'll watch the rest of this because people seem to be liking it. I watched the rest. Delightful. Absolutely. Very delightful. It totally won me over big I'm telling time. I'm telling you. Uh, nominated for an Oscar. It's based on the uh, famous uh, series of books by some French dude. Yep. And uh, it's got a great voice cast. Although, you know what? Watch it in, in the French language with the English subtitles, folks. Yes. Do you really need Nick Offerman? No. And uh, Forrest Whitaker no. and, uh, you know, whatever. Megan no. Mullally no. doing it. That's just terrible. No. You know who, you know who does that crap? Yeah. Uh, Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. He does that crap. Mm-hmm. You should just listen to it in the French. 
and so forget charming. about the uh, huh. It's so charming. No, it's great. It, you know what? And I, I was on. I I almost didn't watch it. I, what I love most about this movie is the artwork feels. It doesn't feel like an animated film. It feels like a storybook. That's true. It, it really does. It feels it really like does. a storybook. Watercolor. It has a certain watercolor feel. Watercolor feel to it. It's just delightful. It's just so delightful. No, it's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Oh, look at that feature-length animatic. Wow, that's that's pretty cool. I am going to have to show that to my little girl. <laughs> just going to have to do that. Uh, we got a couple from uh, Criterion here. One is foreign, one is domestic. The domestic film, I'm just going to make mention of real quickly first, is uh, Douglas Sirk's All That Heaven Allows on a dual-format edition, Blu-ray and DVD. All That Heaven Allows is uh, essentially Douglas Sirk's uh, very subversive look at the, uh, the American society in the 1950s, Ozzie and Harriet Society, which a lot of people have interpreted as being kind of a, um, you know, a celebration of it in some sense, but it's also sort of an attack on it. Jane Wyman and Rock Hudson are both fantastic. Um, it is, but it is really the, the cinematography by Russell Metty that just makes the film glow. It just glows, and it is beautiful. Uh, it's probably a little too melodramatic for my taste. Most Cirque is. I kind of have to sort of swallow my my um, my aesthetic when I watch his films a little bit. Uh, but I can appreciate them. And tons of fantastic extras here, including Rock Hudson's Home Movies from 1992 and uh, a, a French television interview with Douglas Cirque that was done in 1982 that is really, really excellent. And then there are some excerpts from um, a uh, 1979 BBC documentary called Behind the Mirror, which I wish they had the whole thing of, but unfortunately they can only get the excerpts, so um, we'll have to get the whole thing some other way. And then there is a Contract Kid, William Reynolds on Douglas Sirk, which is a 2007 interview. So uh, that's, for Douglas Sirk fans, a must. And then my pick of the week in many respects... I have to make an exception because of one of the next films I'm going to talk about. Michelangelo Antonioni's Le Clisse, which is also in a double format edition. From that's, uh, that's French for The Clisse. Oh, dear. <laughs> I don't know why I do this show with you. This is from 1962, the same year as Lawrence of Arabia and many other fine films. A great year. And uh, this is the last of Michelangelo's uh, Michelangelo Antonioni's uh, trilogy on um, the you know the, the the modern world and its uh, its corrupt ways, which uh, also includes La Notte and La Ventura. So uh, if you if you like either of those two films, you're going to love this. Uh, Francisco Rabal, Monica Vitti, and the great Alain Delon. Um, it's just it's just fantastic. It's uh, really you, you 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 start to hate people after you watch those three films, and in a good way. And then a couple of amazing films from Costa Gavras. Uh, first, his newest movie, Capital, which is Costa Gavras's, uh, you know, response to the uh, the current situation in the world, fi- world finance and banking, and the World Bank and the financial collapse and all of that stuff. Uh, Gabriel Byrne is uh, is very very good in it. Gad Elmala, the French uh, actor, is also very very good in it. A lot of people really really ripped on this, but I think they missed the fact that it really means to be. A comedy thriller. It's supposed to be funny, but it's also supposed to be a thriller, and that's a tricky, tricky thing to pull off. And plus, Costa Garvis is not known as being the most hilarious uh, director in the world. Well, but he's made funny films in the yeah. past. I mean, he's you know he he has a sense of humor when you meet him. He's a very funny guy, but he's also a very very you know didactic guy, and he's a he's a deep thinker. And um, this is a sharp film. It's a really sharp film. It uh, it, it basically begins when uh, you have this bank CEO who uh, who dies on a golf course. And uh, then that sets in motion all this other stuff that becomes very, very kind of crooked and corrupt. 
The other pick of the week, I have to say, is Costagavras' incredibly underrated Amen, uh, which was made in 2002. And this is the, based on the true, it's actually based on a play, but it expands on the play. And uh, it's primarily about Kurt Gerstein, uh, played by Ulrich Tukur, who, is an, who was an SS officer during World War II, who was a, a chemical engineer and thought he was developing stuff to just kind of uh, fight viruses on the front lines. And it turned out he was creating the foundational material for the, the gas that was used to, to kill Jews in Auschwitz and elsewhere. And rather than sort of uh, you know, run away or what he decided to keep working so that he could expose this from the inside, because he was a, he was a devout, devoutly religious Protestant, and so he sabotages it whenever he can, but is otherwise he works to try to get word to the Pope, even though he's a Protestant, in hopes that word will get out and the world will find out what the atrocities are that are happening in Germany. It's a remarkable story, incredible performances, but the most impressive thing about this Blu-ray, Mark, you know what, not, what rocks this Blu-ray? Mm. The commentary. By you? Basically by Costa Gavras, but me interviewing Costa Gavras. <laughs> That's right. Uh, this was a delightful commentary to do. I was intimidated beyond all belief. If I'm sitting there with Andy Klein or with you or somebody else and just kvetching about a movie and... I'm fine with that. But when suddenly they say, um, be at the studio at 9 a.m. and um, Costa wants to talk about this and this and you need... Suddenly I'm like breaking out in a cold sweat. I've interviewed Costa before. You know, I interviewed him at, at uh, Colcoa before, you know, a full auditorium. I interviewed him for an article for uh, the, the DGA Quarterly. I mean, I've, you know, I've talked to him many times. But to do a commentary with the guy, to sit there and have him talk about his own movie and ask him questions, oh, my gosh, it was, I'd like, broke out in a cold sweat. Wound up being delightful, just wonderful. Um, we had great conversations. It, and so without patting myself overly on the back, it, is, it was a delightful commentary, and I hope everybody enjoys it. So, Wade and Costa, together again. We're going on the road. Uh, you suck. Anyway. Thank you. Now, uh, my foreign film of the week is Omar, which is a absolutely... Old Palestinian deal. Gripping. Yeah. Political thriller. Yes. Directed by uh, Hani Abu Assad, I Who believe his is, name is. Well, he's kind of like the main, the main uh, Italian, uh, Italian, the main Palestinian guy. He got the Oscar nomination for... Um, his last film, which uh, the title of which is slipping my mind. Uh, hang on, I'm I'm going to call this up in a second. I'm going to remember it because I know it is going to be called uh, the Courier. No, 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 no. He uh, don't forget me. Paradise Istanbul. now, Paradise now, Paradise now. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I remember that that, 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 that was a while ago. About the two guys who were going to be yeah, right. suicide bombers. Sure. Really good. Yep. Really. Good Omar's film. good too. Cool. About this guy, he's a uh, he's a Palestinian. He's a baker, Palestinian. Like like and, uh, like Kathy. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then he, and then he. Uh, See what he, I did there? I, I made a little. Yeah. You know, is he uh, is he a freedom fighter? Is he a terrorist? He gets uh, he gets coerced into uh, confessing to this murder. Sure. And I'm not gonna say what happens because it is this thing is twisty, but yet it's not twisty in like a melodramatic way. I mean, it's yeah. very politically electric and now and very current and just really exciting. There's a twist at the end that's really awesome. And uh, I'm not saying that Omar is like, you know, Saturday night um, fever viewing with you. <laughs> Nothing is Saturday night fever. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying that this is uh, Omar's Saturday night viewing with the girlfriend. But I have to say this thing is very involving and there is a love story involved. But still, it's just a great thriller. Omar, check it out. My foreign film pick of the week. 
Uh, I'm going to blow through some horror films, and then we're going to do uh, some listener mail. I, uh, again, I did not have an enormous amount of time to really, really do due diligence oh, on this Jesus stuff this week. Jesus Christ. Because there were 23 freaking movies opening. Again, we only, I only saw like, like nine of them uh, to talk about. I pulled a freaking all-nighter, man. I watched. I stayed awake all, before radio, and I'm normally not very sharp on radio when, unless I get a good night's sleep. But it was like it was down to the wire, um, and I stayed awake all freaking night. I pulled an all-nighter Wait, watching movies. You never sleep anyway. That's the. It was the worst. You never. It's when do you worst. go to sleep? Normal night. When do you go to sleep? Normal day. It's mm, an average Tuesday. Three. Okay, and then you wake up when? Six thirty. So pulling an all-nighter means that's <laughs> not sleeping for another three hours. Yeah. That's my life. Uh, anyway, so let me go through some horror and culty stuff real quickly. Uh, we got a super, super cool title here. Uh, did you ever see Adjust Your Tracking, the untold story of the VHS collector? I did not. Two-disc set. This is pretty great. Um, this, is, uh, this is about people who still collect VHS. And uh, it is unbelievable. Uh, there's still a whole subculture of these people, and they're insane. Uh, but somehow I admire them. They, they're because, and there are all kinds of reasons for doing this. A lot of these films can't be found any other way. I mean, there's a real, just an enduring culture of people who still swear by VHS, and they have their collections, the whole thing. A lot of fun. Good doc. Really good doc. It just takes you all the way back into the age of video stores and Quentin Tarantino and all that, that nonsense. And it is an awful lot of fun. So that's a two-disc set. comes with commentary and tons of extras. And it is all absolutely worth it. Which brings us to uh, 13 Sins from the director of The Last Exorcism, who's kind of a big cheese now all of a sudden. Uh, he's getting uh, Daniel Stamm. He's getting all kinds of like, offers to do bigger and, and better films. Um, the, the only thing that makes uh, 13 Sins interesting is uh, some decent casting, including Ron Perlman, who shows up in every damn thing these days, including Charles de Lazarica's film. Uh, but you also got Pruitt Taylor Vince, who I even forgot was around with his, you know, little eye twitch and the whole deal. That guy's still around. He's still around, man. Still around. So uh, anyway, uh, this is uh, it, this is this is all right. It's uh, better, I, th- I think, than uh, the Last Exorcism, uh, Thirteen Sins. You know, it's got some some decent performances. Pruitt Taylor Vince, he's aged a good little bit, but that's okay. Forget about all the other junk on here. You know, the uh, the deleted sequence and the alternate ending and all that stuff. It's just uh, it's a good little uh, suspensey, spooky movie. Also along those lines, the Monkey's Paw. Uh, which is definitely odd and unusual. I'm not so sure how much I'm into, I really, this thing gets into the whole occulty bit of like, you know, black magic and talismans and all that sort of stuff. And uh, it, it, it doesn't really work. It feels like, it feel, you know what it feels like? It feels like a Dario Argento movie wannabe in some well, you sense. You know what? I don't like Dario Argento. Yeah. So I wouldn't like the wannabe. But anyway, that's from Scream Factory. That's on Blu-ray. If you, if you like the occulty stuff that sort of feels very 70s-ish, I guess you'll, you'll enjoy it. Uh, this is the 20th anniversary special edition of Invasion of the Scream Queens. And uh, there was, that era has gone. There was, a, there was an era when we had these young actresses who were just, all they did was take their clothes off and uh, allow themselves to be slathered in blood and gore for low-budget horror movies. And they had a whole cult following for that. And uh, this, that's what this is about. This is uh, directed by Donald Farmer, who, who is himself something of a, uh, a, um, a legend in that field. And um, this is a behind-the-scenes look at uh, all of that. That whole scene takes you all the way back. And uh, you get you know, Melissa Moore and Brinky Stevens, Mary Warrenov, Michelle Bauer. So for people who love that whole scene, which was primarily a VHS scene, you'll certainly enjoy that. Uh, Alpha Alert 
is one of those uh, experiment gone wrong movies with a cast that you've never heard of. Um, it's okay. Uh, you know, I watched uh, about uh, 30 minutes of this thing. I have no idea how it ends, but it certainly seemed to be, you know, sufficiently scary and suspenseful enough. Uh, you get also Almost Human from the IFC Midnight line. This is um, a little too gory for my taste and in a really cheesy way. But uh, minus the gore, if you close your hands for the gore and, the, and, the, and all the nastiness, it's got a certain kind of outbacky uh, hills have eyes ish Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of kind of groove to it. So you know, so about a half an hour of that one as well. I will probably finish that one at some point. Uh, this is one of my favorite of the, of the week. What do you think of that artwork, Mark? Kill zombies. But, kill, but what does that but, say? But look, kill zombie. Right. Kill zombie. But the look, look at the whole. It's like the it's like like the surfer uh, the surfer the symbol. Yeah, dude, surfer symbol. <laughs> it's awesome with the pinky and the uh, exactly exactly. The, uh, what's the way? What's what's this finger called? Wait, I forgot. The pinky and the uh, you know the the index, the ring, the index the, finger. Yeah, okay, the pinky and the yeah. index finger. Yes, it's called an index finger. Whatever. You know, so, cocaine's so, a hell of a drug way. So basically, this thing is just ridiculous. This is completely off the wall, and it's a whole lot of fun. It's from Wellgo. This is a Blu-ray, and uh, the idea is that a Russian space station. This is interesting with the World Cup and, you know, the, the Dutch having such a great win now. Well, Amsterdam is, it's not Tokyo, it's not New York, it's Amsterdam. A Russian space station hits Amsterdam and uh, this horrible virus erupts and turns people into, into zombies. And uh, from there on, it, it's, basically, it's basically a pretty ordinary zombie movie, except it, it manages to be tongue-in-cheek enough that you can just uh, kind of roll with it. It's sillier than most, and uh, I, I appreciate the silliness. Uh, let me just knock through a couple more, and I'll certainly save the rest of these for uh, next week. Uh, Devil's Do. Not bad. Allison Miller has done a few things. Uh, this, is, this, this manages to actually take its, its horrorness a little bit more seriously. Um, the, uh, if you've seen anything that deals with... You know, first of all, if you've seen The Omen, if you've seen Rosemary's Baby, the whole idea of you know, the Antichrist and, and evil babies or even uh, It. Remember It? I loved it. It, w- it was good, right? See, back in the early 80s, I like, See, like, like, I like those movies. Yeah. It's alive. Yeah. Well, um, this, tr- this is part of that. Um, this is part of that whole thing. You know, a young couple going to have a baby. And, of course, it takes all of those same evil, horrible, uh, psychotic twists and turns. But it doesn't. It, it sort of it manages to be referential to the genre, but still kind of forge its own way. And uh, you got some decent, uh, decent extras on here as well. Uh, worth checking out, again, if you're a fan of the genre. This also has an ultraviolet copy on it. Uh, Blu-ray, DVD, and ultraviolet all on the same, same deal. And then uh, Haunt from IFC Midnight. Tries to put a new spin on the old haunted house thing. You know, there's a haunt. There's a family that was slaughtered there. The ghosts are still loitering around. And, uh, you know, new family in the house got to, you know, gets in touch with the ghost. Got to figure all this stuff out. It's, it's kind of the usual thing. Um, how do we, you know, how do we re- re- redeem the ghosts so that they can leave the home and all that kind of stuff? Um, you know, we've seen this a million times. Uh, but uh, the guy who directed it, Matt Carter, has, uh, has, has, a, certain, uh, has a certain flair. So, um, you know, he'll uh, probably have some other films that he'll, uh, he'll step into uh, coming up in the future. So uh, good luck to him. And, Mark, let's do some, uh, some listener mail now. Can I sing the listener mail song? There is no listener mail song, Mark. We don't have a listener mail song. I could write one. I know you could, but I'd rather you not. 
first of all, very, very good inquiry from uh, Tim Teets, who said, I am a DVD Blu-ray collector. Tim's been a long-time listener. With a collection of 440 DVDs and Blu-rays and growing. Oh, you, you, bless you. Bless you. That's so cute. Four hundred and forty. So you're the one. And I often <laughs> still set, collects these things. And I often set many goals for myself when it comes to collecting. The next goal I have is to collect all the movies you guys have done a commentary on together. Yeah. So, quick question: Could you possibly list all the DVDs you have done commentary on, Mark? I'll bet you couldn't do it. Could now, you? No. I had I had to go dig them up. Now, did, now we did he, a bunch. Now he emailed us. Yes, he did. Did you email him back? I did. I sent him the list. Well, why didn't you? You did not see see me on that email. I didn't. No. Really? I, I was wondering whether you were going to email him back. Oh or yeah, not. yeah. I did. I thought you were CC. I on was that. not. I'm so retarded. I was not. I'm sorry. Um, okay. We did the um, that uh, Denis Cote, right? That guy, the French guy. Oh my guy, gosh, the Canadian this will take guy. forever if I let you try to remember them all. <laughs> Here's what we did: we did uh, we did Armless. Remember Armless? Yes. The guy, yes. We did Becoming Eduardo. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, the the bird can't fly. Remember with Barbara Hershey? Oh, with Barbara Hershey, right? I remember that. Carcasses is the Denis Cote film, which is good. This is good. Yeah. Really good. Uh, in significant others, remember in slash significant oh, others. Oh yeah, remember, yeah. We, I, I think we said it was good, but it was lame. Yeah. <laughs> Jester Till, oh, the, the animated uh, film. The animated that film. That was really lame. Sure. Yeah, we said it was good. Lily's Thorn, remember that? That was that yes. film that was shot in that little town back yes. east, and all local money. Pinprick. Is that about the guy who? You don't even remember anymore. I don't. And then the Symmetry of Love. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> I really don't. What's Symmetry of Love? What is that? It was it was a, it was a, a romantic kind of a deal. Uh, so those are the those are the films that, 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 we, those the films that we did all for Vanguard. So those are the films that we did uh, commentary on. And then uh, a really interesting point from uh, Walter Gass, longtime listener as well. He said uh, about Veronica Mars, totally a Nancy Drew update and a very good one. The TV show ran for three seasons and two of them were really really good. The third was good but smacked of network interference. If you like Nancy Drew, I recommend the first season of Veronica Mars. I, of course, saw the movie, and having all the background info, info enjoyed it. It's a lesser story, but fondness for the characters carried me through. I did think it was really unfortunate because it didn't feel accessible to new viewers, uh, which should have been the point. It also had a limited theatrical run, which is why it only made $3 million. And this is what I wanted to get to. This is the important point. He says, it was released at the same time on VOD. I don't know what that made, but I suspect it made its money back and then some. Really good point because... The movies, we always talk about what movies do in the box office, but so many of these things from IFC and from Magnolia and from other companies, they're getting released simultaneously or relatively concurrently on VOD as well. And those numbers steal from the box office, but they don't get reported along with the box office. So sometimes when we talk about, oh, Veronica Mars only made $3 million, we don't really know how much it made on VOD. That should all be sort of included. Oh, 100%. It should be, but 100%. they're not doing that. But here's the, th- here's the thing, though. Yeah. Do these reporting companies consider VOD its home video release? Yeah. Or as part of its theatrical release? Because when it comes to accounting, there's, we, the, there's the theatrical release and there's all the ancillary home video. We're just going to have to step away from all that, those paradigms. Those paradigms are dead. They're gone. They're over. Well, I mean, TV's having the same problem. Because Nielsen is finally starting to realize that yeah. live plus three, live plus seven, live yeah. plus five—it's all—it's all illegitimate number. Yeah. Well. But these are these are ingrained, long-standing beliefs. Yep. That need to be exploded. Very true. And rethought. And Very by the way, true. wait. I, can I say something? Yes. Um, I just watched the uh, trailer for Symmetry of Love. Yes. We did not do that movie. I have never seen this movie in my life. Symmetry of Love. Did we really do this movie? We did. 
You did? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a romantic comedy about a guy who does something? <laughs> you Honestly, know, I've no, I don't think we did that. This is why we see too many movies. Do, I, I'm not kidding you. There are, there are weeks where I will do the radio. I'm not kidding you. And it takes usually about two weeks worth of watching links and screeners and screenings to see all the movies that I have to do for radio. I kid you not. There are days. Hey, we did do it. Yeah, of course we did. Mark, there are days. <laughs> listen to me. You're, 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 where, it, like, Thursday will come around... The, uh, the producer on the, on the show, the producer on, on Film Week, will call us all up and we'll go down the list of films and we'll say, and uh, did you see this? They're just making sure we saw this film. They'll say this film. And I'm like, what was that again? What's the name of that title? What's it about? Like, I, that, doesn't, that doesn't ring. No, I, I, let me, I, I'll, put, don't put me down for that one. I'll, I'll, I'll go check. And then I get home and I look at my list and I'm like, son of a bitch, I did see that movie. I don't even remember it. And then I've got I've got to like go back and I got to look at and then I'm like oh yeah and I, it, like within five or six days I've completely forgotten that I saw the movie and I have no recollection of it and that's not senility that's not that's just seeing too much that's just having too much crap going on upstairs. Well, I'm I'm on BarnesandNoble.com and yeah. I'm on I'm in the Symmetry of Love page and it says uh, special features behind the scenes trailer <laughs> audio commentary by the Digigods. There you go. What do you know? Yeah. We did. By the way, Barnes and Noble needs to. By the way, we we, we need to say goodbye to the show. Yes, the show we, we, over, two two, two say, emails, uh, two two emails left. Just God. two two two. Criterion's left. half price. Barnes and Nobles. Yep. Every once in a while, has a half price Criterion sale. Yes. They need to do it now. Uh, real quickly, uh, just two last. One from Kyle Stevens. Strange question. Is it true that uh, Top Gun is really a struggle about a man and his sexuality? After watching it again, I do see a bunch of uh, homoerotic overtones. Your thoughts? Uh, and I wrote him back. I said that I told him that Pauline Kael was the one who sort of forged that idea originally, and and uh, thought that it was just overtly homoerotic in every conceivable way. You know, I'm going to ride your tail and all that, all that stuff. Uh, and uh, Tarantino, being a big fan of Pauline Kael, actually had a little monologue that elaborates on all of that in the film Sleep with Me, which was directed by Rory Kelly. Rory Kelly was a guy that I was in film school with who hasn't done anything since, which I don't understand because to me he was like the guy who ran the equipment office. And I was like, hey, Rory, hey, how you doing? Uh, can I get a camera today? Or can I get some you know, like lighting? Set? Okay, here you go. And he wound up directing this movie and did a great job. It's really good, uh, you know, fantastic movie in every conceivable way. Tarantino's very funny in that little cameo in the party scene. I don't know what happened. Rory needs to make more movies. That was a million years ago. So anyway, but, uh, you know... Again, it's, uh, you know, they, they, a lot of people claim that Ben-Hur has all kinds of homoerotic stuff in it as well, and I'm, I'm far less certain of that, even if uh, Gore Vidal insists that, you know, he put them in there. Uh, and then lastly, uh, Chevelle Dixon writes and says, as I try to expand my film knowledge and watch films from the greats, I'm always unsure where to start. For certain directors, should I start with the earlier films or should I watch some of their later stuff and work backwards? For example, my first Bergman film was his only comedy, Smiles of a Summer Night, and I really liked it, but should I have started with his other serious work like The Seventh Seal or The Virgin Spring? Mark, your thoughts. Uh, I don't think... I know, that's, it's a tough question. It is a tough question. I don't know that there's a right answer to that. There really but... is no right answer. I, I, I think doing it chronologically from beginning to end, I guess you would see the evolution. Now, we know Wade and I had seen Stanley Kubrick's... Um, 
with Kubrick and David Lean, right. I saw all of their their later greater work first, and then with Lean, I go back and you discover, you know, the uh, you know like Blythe Spirit and the Dickens films, and you know Breaking the Sound Barrier and all these earlier films, and you're like, oh wow, some interesting work there, but it's not as great as the later stuff. And I'm not sure if I'd started with the earlier stuff, they would have like really gained anything from it. I mean, the the later stuff with Kubrick, if you're missing out on Killer's Kiss, I think you're okay. I really do. It's it's fine. You you don't need to sort of see the evolution. With Kubrick, you can pretty much start from Lolita and go all the way to Eyes Wide Shut, and that's the important body of work. Sure, you can throw Paths of Glory in there at some point, and Spartacus is, you know, not a very good movie, but Kubrick even admitted that. So, I mean, those things are... I don't know. I think you... I think, personally, I think you go for the work that, that is most acclaimed. I would go for the work that's most acclaimed because... If you start with an earlier film where he was still working out his style, yeah. you may not be tempted to keep going because Bingo. you didn't enjoy it as much. There you go. But if you start with something that's amazing, you'd go, wow, I want to explore more of his work because that first film was so good. There we go. And that's it. All right. We'll be back next week. Next week.